What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa. And I'm John Warren. And welcome into episode 81 of the podcast. Uh, we're so glad to have you guys joining us today. Obviously, uh, you know, this is coming out a little later than, uh, than typically we planned for. Uh, you know, as you heard, John Warren, my good friend, is back on the podcast. John, glad to have you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always glad to have you on, man. Uh, this thing was kind of bouncing around between who I was going to try to get on for this, but uh, I'm glad to have you on. Glad to have you as a part of this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know really glad to get into uh, the latest that's been going on in the sports world. Yeah, me too. We can jump right into it. Yeah, I say we do that. And, uh, you know, with that being said, the first thing I want to get into uh, is in the NFL. You know, I want to start off. I want to start off there because, you know, I haven't been I haven't been able to cover it as much, uh, you know, since uh, since my last show. And, uh, you know, starting off in NFL news, we got to finally see as Patriots fans, we finally got to see the debut of Mac Jones behind center for for New England. Uh, it was it was a great time to see. What did you think about it? I thought he did pretty great. Um, again, it's just preseason. Stedham looked really good in preseason. Like uh, other quarterbacks still looked good. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really impressive, though. Um, yeah, I really liked his performance, and it looked uh, very uh, like he's fit the system, I guess, with the short dump-off passes. I, but I think the best pass he uh, had was the incompletion in the end zone. That was a beautiful pass, and he dropped it right there. Yeah, receiver, you know, as you saw, dropped it. No, that was a great pass. Uh, I think it was to Wilkerson, if I believe yeah, so. Yeah, he dropped it. It was right over the shoulder, right you in know, his hands, and he it, just dropped it. It was literally right in his hands, and it just it just fell out. I mean, it was an unfortunate thing to see, but it was a great pass by Mac Jones. He looked amazing out there. And, you know, frankly, I'm just glad to see football again. I know it's preseason football, but, Still. you know, just getting back into the NFL and the regular season, everything with that, it's just good to see it. You know, I, I don't like seeing summer come to an end. I, you know, and fall comes around and you think about school, it's like, ugh, like everything's coming back like that. But the one saving grace for me has always been like, Oh, the NFL's back on things are starting to heat up again. Unfortunately, you know, you know, while I love baseball, you know, during the summer, it kind of is the only thing that's on. So the fall is also the mark of like hockey coming back and the NBA coming back and just seeing, you know, the NFL preseason is a sign of what's to come. And I'm really glad to see it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's always good to have football back, especially, uh, you know, main season, like a main season of sports, I feel like is when you really start. Uh, it's like almost the beginning of like sports, I feel like. Yeah, like it's always football, even though like at least for some it's wrapping up to the end of the year. I feel like really that's just the main part because school's going back for people. Everyone's getting back into work, the livelihood and football really is just like kind of there with it all. So. I feel like that's kind of the big highlight, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always been kind of a big highlight. I mean, you know, you think of uh, you think of football, you think of the tailgate and everything that goes on there. It's always a lively scene. And I love it's to see it. It's always a good atmosphere, too. Absolutely. I mean, you know, kind of going back on it. I mean, you know, I've gone to uh, I've, I've been to many. I mean, I've been, I've been to many uh, Patriots preseason games, been to you know, many tailgates, seeing some, seeing some of the things going on there, going to Bryant football games and seeing the action down there. It's a ton of fun with uh, those guys down, down at, uh, down at Smithfield. Can't wait to get back and hopefully uh, see a game in person again. Hopefully, uh, you know, get to see guys like Rennell Joseph back on the field and get to see those guys. Uh, Darnell Schellingford, shout out to him as well. Uh, you know, fellow friend of mine down at Bryant and it'll just be great to see, uh, great to see they get back on uh, when we go down there. Uh, a final thing I want to cover in the Mac Jones preseason debut before we get into the other storyline out of the Patriots preseason game was, uh, you know, when he went into that game, did you did you see the crowd reaction to when he went in that game? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So I, I think you were kind of down at school at the time doing, uh, you know, kind of doing stuff down there uh, when he went in the game. Uh, you know, he ended up replacing Cam Newton. Cam Newton, obviously, you know, was last year starter came into the game, you know, fairly routine, you know, looks like himself. But when Mac Jones came in, you would have thought Brady like came back and was the stadium literally erupted. There was a standing ovation for this guy. And I'm like, part of me is like, okay, cool. Your jets. Like this guy is like, you know, he's a rookie and you know, he's going to make mistakes and you're going to be frustrated with him at times. But another part of me was, was just able to see like, okay, these guys, you know, and these fans, they're ready for, they're ready for the next phase. They're ready for, you know, the next chapter in, in New England Patriots football. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Mac is, uh, he's definitely good, you know, Alabama boy there. But, oh yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
still hopeful for Cam. Yeah. I mean, Cam's still, you know, the bread and butter, but I mean, Matt going in there, he's definitely making it a competition. So, yeah, with, you know, I think that makes a good transition because with Cam Newton at this point, I don't know. I, you know, we know my, what Cam has to offer. Unfortunately, that is the case. You know, my, my big thing I, I've been saying it on this show for a while was, you know, when, uh, you know, I interviewed pitcher Sean Burke on the show recently, he, and, you know, we were actually talking before the show that he, he underwent Tommy John surgery in high school. And as you know, with Tommy John surgery, it's a type of thing where, you know, not usually that first year, you're not back to hundred percent, but it's that second year where you really bounce back and you get back to your old self. When Cam Newton went down, I believe it was, I believe it was in uh, either 2018 or 2019, he went down, got a, uh, you know, pretty, pretty significant shoulder surgery. Obviously he was never the, you know, a crazy thrower, thrower of the football anyways, but he got the significant shoulder surgery. And when he did that, you know, I was like, you know, I think the first year he was back with the Patriots was, you know, kind of his first full year back since that. And I was like, all right, he's, he had this surgery, you know, we saw how he threw the football and it didn't look that great. So when he was coming into this year, I was like, all right, I'll give him a little bit of time. Maybe it'll, maybe you'll see it come back and maybe you can see, you know, a more accurate looking passer and it will look a little more professional. You know, I know it was a small sample size, but from what I saw, you know, him getting, you know, blown up by Chase Young. And I know that's a little bit on Isaiah Wynn as well for missing his blocking assignment, but it looks like the same Cam Newton that we saw last year. And unfortunately that's not going to be good enough to win us games to win right. us games in the NFL. Right. No, I agree. I mean, he definitely has to step it up a little bit to say the least, but um, I didn't think all of it was bad. I mean, he did, did look like he knew the offense and he was reading it a little bit better, but yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know what he has to offer already, um, if nothing changes. Yeah. But, um, there's only upside for Cam Newton. There's yeah. really no downside. But you always have Mac in your back pocket. I think it's good that he's kind of developing under Cam Newton because regardless of it, Cam's a great leader. No, so, I, I will give that to Cam. He is a great leader. That the NFL, he's on what, like year 10 now? I feel like it's got to be like year 11 or 12, maybe at this point. I, I uh, It might be 10, actually. He was, I think he was drafted in 2011, so I think it is his 10th season, actually. I think you may be correct with that. Uh, but, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I will give him the fact that he's a great leader. Something that kind of called that into question with me, though, was, uh, you know, after the game, I, you know, I, I don't really pay too much attention to the social media thing. I know that you kind of don't as much, you know, you were kind of telling me about that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I was seeing was, uh, you know, I, you know, was kind of hearing about this uh, over kind of like, you know, you know, articles and, you know, different sports, you know, talking heads, like referring to this. And apparently Cam Newton, like kind of the day after the game, put out an Instagram post and uh, in the Instagram post, I'll actually pull it up now. He, uh, he went on Instagram and he ended up posting like literally the day after the game. And he said, I'm far from perfect, but loyalty, I deserve it. And it's a weird kind of quote. Obviously it has this weird Cam Newton kind of text and font to it. It has that kind yeah. of whole weird thing. But, uh, you know, after kind of seeing the ovation for Mac Jones and kind of seeing like the great treatment he got, do you think this is kind of a shot that he's throwing or is this just kind of Cam doing his own thing? I wouldn't feel like it would be a shot at all. Maybe not at Mac, but but yeah, maybe at the fans, if anything, of being like, hey, you know, like I'm back too, like show me a little bit of respect. But at the same time, um, it's a little tricky because uh, Cam did say in a press press conference that, you know, his Instagram, he's like, it really has nothing to do with like football. It's more social justice, you know, like it's more like focused towards like his life and everything else. Cause yeah, he's a big believer in there's life after football and all that, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like him and uh, Mac at least are, uh, I don't feel like it would be targeted at Mac Jones at all because as he says, like, you know, it's like Mac and cheese. Like, he, yeah. really, he really does like Mac. And, I mean, it's kind of similar, I guess, to an Aaron Rodgers type situation. Like, you can't be mad at him. If anything, it would be a little shot at the organization. But Yeah, I mean, if anything, I think it's more of a shot at the organization, possibly. And, I mean, you could maybe say it's a shot at other teammates. Like, maybe after the game, like, people were going up, were going up to Mac and were like, hey, man, great job. That pass was awesome. It looked great out there today. It's a great first step. And maybe Cam didn't get that kind of same love. And he's kind of standing on the sidelines just being like, why not? Why, why aren't I getting that treatment? I, you know, I come out here, I work my butt off and I do all this stuff every day. Why aren't I getting that same treatment? Uh, do you think that's, do you think that possibly could be working itself in? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I really wouldn't take Cam Newton as petty. So, yeah. 
no, no. I mean, I agree with you there. I mean, it's it's definitely tough to see. I think that Cam Newton, you know, obviously I think that he has great leadership qualities and, you know, can, you know, really rally a team behind him. I mean, there were there were talks at times that guys like Julio Jones wanted to come to wanted to come to the Patriots to play with a guy like Cam Newton. I was like, I, part of me was like, really? You want to come and play with Cam here? And I was kind of like, yeah, people love Cam Newton. It's yeah. kind of weird. It is, it is kind of weird, especially kind of seeing what he brings to the table now. Now, obviously, with new weapons, and if he is the starter, we'll see how that kind of, uh, we'll see how that, you know, really works itself out throughout the regular season weeks. But if Cam isn't the guy and Mac does go in, I'll be excited to see that as well. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And then, uh, you know, Justin Fields had his debut too. Yeah, he had his debut too, had a touchdown in it. Uh, you know, Sean was wide open. Yeah, it was wide open. I'll give you that. But I mean, he struggled in the first half and they kind of put together a nice drive to finish it off. But, mm-hmm. um, I think the most impressive one was, uh, the Sam Ellinger debut. That was pretty crazy. Actually, he completely drove down the field and scored a touchdown. So yeah, no, I mean, that's that whole situation with the QB and with the QB and Indy right now is going to be crazy. Is Carson Wentz going to be available? Or are they going to have to throw this? What is, what is Ellinger a sixth or seventh round pick? seventh round they would throw the guy in front of him which i don't know but uh then there's also the uh the backup quarterback to the ravens looking exactly like lamar jackson and just completely like put like 44 points or something on the saints which was ridiculous too so the ravens look really good yeah i mean especially coming into this season i would say they could be an early you know team to watch like a dark horse yeah maybe Cause they're looking really good. Yeah. But. I mean, you, I could definitely, you could, you could throw a ter- at terms like dark horse, but I mean, you know, when you have Lamar Jackson, he creates like the ultimate X factor and he really can, yeah. you know, turn things on. The only question I have is, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, you know, Lamar is more run heavy than a guy like a Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes, you know, while he can scramble and do his own thing, he does have the ability to, you know, be a traditional passer and do that whole thing. You know, what I do wonder about is, you know, kind of how that is you know will will he kind of wear down and will the injuries catch up to him that's my main concern with Lamar yeah I mean he hasn't had any really big injuries today but yeah I mean I would say that he would be he would be good yeah I think I don't think it would be because it looks like he keeps himself you know in pretty good shape and all that but I agree I mean, if there. injuries happen injuries happen so. exactly I think that I still I still think he has some pretty good treads on his tires I think that you know he still is you know young enough to be able to do some things there so I am pretty hopeful for him, uh, but you know, uh, you know, also in NFL news, one of the things I wanted to cover was uh, this happened a little bit, you know, last week, and you know, I think I think you were here when we were when you know me you and uh, Pat Edwards were talking about this, uh, but you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, it's being pinned now that he, that this season in Green Bay is going to be his last dance up in Wisconsin. What what whatever happens after the season, we have no idea, but. It's me, but it, that's at least what it looks like. It looks like it's going to be the last dance for him and possibly also Devonte Adams. And, you know, you know, to appease Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers in this situation, because the Packers realized, Hey, if we don't appease him, Jordan Love is going to be our quarterback. And maybe that's not the worst thing. Cause he also made his he, debut and he had a great preseason. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're a little more optimistic now, but they were saying, all right, we need Aaron Rodgers on this field. So they went, they went out and they got Randall Cobb back, which is kind of a funny, which is kind of funny to see him now back in green Bay. But one of the things that I, that I thought was really funny was, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of went on a tirade, you know, earlier on in a training camp talking about, you know, how certain guys, you know, he didn't went, he didn't want them to be traded like uh, Jordy Nelson uh, and, you know, other names, other names kind of out there. But, you know, recently he took to Instagram and I think, Devonte Adams did as well, and David Bakhtiari did, and they went out there and they ended up. Uh, they posted a picture of Clay Matthews, and I, I think it was in a Green Bay jersey or in a Rams jersey, whatever it was. So I think it was, you know, a fairly recent photo of Clay Matthews, and they ended up saying bring him back, and I think they tagged the Packers or they did something similar to that, and they said bring back Clay Matthews. Yeah. Now the thing about Clay Matthews is, you know, at the time it was it was just shy of it, but now it's but now it's well over 600 days since he's taken a snap in the NFL. Now, do you think that, you know, we were talking with our, you know, token green Bay Packers fan, Pat Edwards, and he was saying, this is a complete troll. There's no way they're actually doing this. And there's no way that the Packers would ever bring a guy like Clay Matthews back, especially after all the time he's been out of the NFL. Yeah. But do you think there's any chance that the, that the Packers would ever bring him back at this point? No, I don't think there's any chance. Yeah. Cause that's, I feel like just a shot in the dark at that because you're giving too much power to uh, to him. It would be almost like, you know, LeBron, like yeah. GM LeBron, just calling out players, bringing everyone he wants on the squad, which it always seems like happens. So. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't think there's any shot that's going to happen. I, I don't think there is either. I mean, I'm kind of weary of it, but, you know, I, I do agree with you there. I think that the chances of that happening are pretty low now. You know, could could Aaron, you know, threaten to sit out the season and they're forced to bring in Clay Matthews? It's possible, but I feel like a guy like him at this point, you know, Clay Matthews during his season with the with the L.A. Rams, you know, his loan season with them, you know, obviously caused a caused a lot of drama out there because he was saying that they weren't paying his salary and there was a lot of, you know, disputes going on out there uh, alone with that. But uh, I, I don't think there's I, I don't think they're going to be bringing him back. But I, I thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, after the after kind of the last dance thing that they put out with, uh, you know, that, that, you know, Devante put out and uh, Rogers put out saying that they're going to be Jordan and Pippen in this thing. And then when they got Randall Cobb back, he came in and he put up, he put up a picture and he was saying that he's going to be Ron Harper in the whole situation. He's going to, and that, that was going to be his role. You know, if they had gotten, uh, if they had actually gotten the whole band back together, you know, I would have given, I would have given, given Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit for that. Yeah, it definitely would have been cool to see, but completely unrealistic. No, no by, by no nowhere. by no means. I mean, you know, if, if he had gotten, I mean, it was kind of like when during Brady's last year when Belichick was, when Belichick went out and got and got a B from the Raiders, it seemed completely out of the realm of possibility that, you know, I know I know Belichick's done reclamation projects, but when he got a B after the drama he went through, I was like, something feels different about this, yeah. and it felt like you know there was a little bit more pressure from from Brady at the time when that went down. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so, just based off the fact that we got him for next to nothing. That's true. And he played uh, one week and got us a touchdown, and he looked great with Brady. So, I mean, I don't think that's more of a – I think that was more of an experiment, if anything. I mean, we've known to do that in the past. Like, you know, we had Ocho Senko. Yeah. We had Terrell Owens for a little bit, the end of his career. I didn't think we had T.O. I thought T.O. I think T.O. was with the Bills. Uh, we had we signed him to the practice squad for a little bit. Okay, yeah, I know we had Reggie Wayne. We tried out other guys like that, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out. But uh, but you know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see uh what goes down there. But that kind of concludes what we have in terms of that story. The one of the final stories I have, I have two more. Le- I have two more stories left in the NFL. Uh, you know, one unfortunately is kind of sad, and the other one is just straight up weird. Uh, so I'll let you kind of pick the one that I want that you want to cover. Yeah. All right. Um, Do you want to cover the sad or the weird? I can cover the uh, the weird. All right. Let's let's cover the weird one then. So the weird the weird story of the day is uh, Usain Bolt and Tyreek Hill are apparently going to race in a forty yard dash. Yeah. No. That is definitely weird. Yeah. They're uh. This is a this is being alleged that you know I guess Tyreek and Usain were kind of calling each other out saying 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 uh you know oh I can beat you and and you know Tyreek is Tyreek Hill is calling Usain Bolt old saying he can't do it anymore and Usain Bolt is saying listen man just because I can't compete against the top sprinters doesn't mean I can't beat you and it's gotten to the point this it's gotten to the point now where they're actually wagering you know sir you know their personal uh prizes at this point I guess uh I guess Tyreek Hill put up his Super Bowl ring from Super Bowl 54 saying saying hey Usain if you beat me I'll give you this and in return, Usain Bolt is giving up one of his gold medals, <laughs> saying, uh, "Saying, okay, if you beat me, I'll give you one of my golds." Now, I think for for Tyreek, he obviously is giving up more because he only has one Super Bowl ring, and it's like, dude, this is your only Super Bowl ring. Usain Bolt has multiple, and and I mean multiple gold medals. Like this guy is, you know, a king at it. He's not giving up his whole collection. He's giving you one. I wonder if he would give him one that's significant, like the first, or he's giving him like the one where he broke the record. I mean, which which time he broke the record so many <laughs> no, times exactly. that that's the thing. It, it, it's like, oh, given the one where you broke the record. I'm like, yeah, but that happened like seven times, yeah. <laughs> which is the crazy thing. Like, you know, the, the crazy thing about Usain Bolton, unfortunately, I don't think that people now who you know didn't get to witness him during his prime like we did. They're not going to recognize it. Like Usain Bolt was so much faster than everybody. He would kind of let up at the end of races so that way he could go and break his record again the next time because he knew he could go break it. Like yeah. the guy was a freak of nature. And if, if you had to pick a guy in a 40 yard dash right now, you know, you know, if you have to take Usain Bolt at his age now, I don't think he's like in his forties. I think he's, you know, mid thirties, early, possibly even early thirties. You know, I think that's just the life of a sprinter. They kind of just wear out at that, at that age just because of the demands. And you have, you have this age, Tyreek Hill, 40 yards, you know, all or nothing. Who are you taking? Um, I'm taking uh I'm taking Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking Tyreek actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so because I think uh, Tyreek would have him in the short the short distance. It also depends: are they running it on a track? Or are they running it um, on a field? Well, I mean, and I say on a field, I say Tyreek, but I say it's still going to be close. I say here, here's what I'm saying. I, I I'm glad you took Tyreek. I'm going to take Bolt on this one. I know Bolt is older, and I know he you know obviously has you know you know obviously more tread at this point. And he's you know he has you know more mileage on him at this point. But I'm going to take Usain Bolt just based on the fact that he he knows the form of starting up and he knows how to, you know, you know, utilize those, you know, every step of getting through it. Yeah, but one Tyreek as well, because he did like he did run track, you know, he did run college. track and I know he did the combine. He, and did, he did everything the Olympic like qualifiers and all that. too. Yeah, but Usain's the best at it. He's the best. And I mean, he was the best. He's not running anymore. He's still going to know how to get out of his blocks. And listen. Where was Usain Bolt dominating people? He was dominating them in the 100. Yeah, he was dominating them. Usain Bolt, you know, still like, still practicing every day, doing that every day. I mean, he's think he's still dieting, doing all the Olympic stuff. Because if he's not in Olympic shape, I can guarantee you, Tyree Kill's doing everything to make sure his body is in NFL shape right now and keeping him at the fastest. Oh no, I, I I guarantee you, if you if they raced right now, Tyreek is in better shape. But I'm but I think they're planning to do this at a later date or sometime. And I I don't think that Usain Bolt is going on the Chad Ochocinco train where they're literally where he's literally uh you know eating McDonald's every day and completely you know just has gone on that wave. Yeah, yeah. But I think that I don't know. I think that you if you get Usain Bolt right and you know he's not racing in a four by two, he's not racing in you know these longer races and. You know, his his shortest race that he'd run was a 100 meter. You know, that's 40 yards is significantly shorter than 100 meters. Right. You know, he was getting burned in the latter half of that because, you know, your body can only accelerate. I forget what it is, but, you know, past a certain distance and it's not very far. It's like, you know, I think like after like 50 or so meters, you can only go at a certain speed at 100 percent speed. You know, after a certain speed, you know, you are never you're not not even Usain Bolt is touching 100 percent. So. If you get 100% of Usain Bolt's acceleration, in my opinion, I think he can beat Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's just hard. But the also the biggest difference, I think, is uh, the stride length because I think Tyreek's going faster. Yeah. And, but Usain Bolt, I mean, he, he was. And he probably, you know, like his records still aren't beaten. Yeah. But, again, I'm just saying with age and if they were to run right now, I say Tyreek does it. Yeah. Because also, I think if Tyreek stuck with track, I think Tyreek would have gave him a run for his money. Just based off where the Olympic qualifiers were, you saw that the side-by-side comparison of mm-hmm. his track time versus the uh, like the current like Olympic runners, he was placing like second or third. That's really awesome. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, listen, if Tyreek stuck with track, this is a completely different argument. Like if if Tyreek Hill was 100% a track star and I I you know, for the sake of the USA, I kind of wish he was cuz I feel like it would help us win a lot more medals. But if Tyreek Hill was a track star, this completely changes the argument. I think that if you give if you put Tyreek in that if you put Tyreek in that situation, it makes it a in my opinion, I would swing it a little bit more t- towards Tyreek in my opinion. But at this point, you know, you know, Usain isn't like 45 or anything like that. And, and it's like, all right, like, sorry, man, the human body can only do so much at that age. I think he can still, I think he still might be able to do it, but that's just my opinion. But the last story I have in NFL news is uh, Tim Tebow, you know, was recently just cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, pretty unfortunate, but uh, he just got cut by the Jaguars. You know, uh, he had one preseason game. You know, a lot of people were, you know, hyped up about what Tebow was going to do coming into camp. You know, he hadn't played in, in a regular season NFL game since 2012. Unfortunately, now still hasn't. And, uh, you know, we got to see him kind of uh, live and in form as a tight end. And, you know, he had some low lights. Yeah, it was kind of sad. But, I mean, what did you expect out of Tim? Yeah. I mean, he gave it his all. And, I mean, kudos to him. He made the team. For a while and he did the practice squad and he got the, his opportunity in his shot and he sold a lot of jerseys so he kind of got what he wanted out of it so no i mean you know financially it's a win for him he gets he gets what everything he, he needs media public and he's still probably going to return right to college football he's still probably going to return because he's a great analyst in oh my god football network. he's, he's like, amazing at he's it one of the faces of it honestly and then He's also a philanthropist, I believe. And he also, uh, I think he owns his own church. I I believe it. All that. So, I mean, hey, like if anything, he still is completely set up for life. And 
at least uh, he made it, gave it a shot. I mean, he no, could yeah. still honestly go back to baseball, I think. I think he's done with baseball at this point. You know, I mean, you know, the guy's like what at this point, like maybe like 35. I think he, he's like one of the older tight ends in the league at this point, if he yeah. was to if he was to play. And, you know, you I think if he was younger, you think he could have made it as a tight end. I mean, if he dedicated himself to being a tight end and saying and saying, this is what I'm going to do. If he had maybe not even out of college, like gone in and done it. But, you know, during his time with the Jets, like they had kind of, you know, they said they were going to experiment with him at tight end. If they had done it, then maybe he could be something, you know, I don't think he'd ever be like this blocking force because, you know, we saw what he looked like blocking wise. And I know it's at a later age, you but think if he gets that reception, you think he stays on the team, that ball that Trevor Lawrence threw right at him. And then uh, what's his name? Grabbed it right in front of him. I don't know. I mean, it, it the block, the missed blocking assignments and everything like that. It looks pretty ugly. I, it, it would have been tough. And, you know, just with the roster cut, the, cuts that go down, you know, it, it, it I feel like it was just going to happen. Yeah, I agree too. But I mean, kudos to Tim. Tried it out. Urban Meyer gave him a chance. I mean, I, I think Urban Meyer really just, I, I think Urban Meyer kind of needed to. I mean, Tim Tebow really kind of helped put Urban Meyer on the map in terms of coaging when he was at Florida, really, you know, amplified that program and, you know, completely turned around Urban Meyer's career. Yeah. You know, I, so I think Ur- Urban kind of looked at that and said, all right, you helped me out. At the, you helped me out when I needed it. I'm going to try to help you out and give you a, give you a lifeline here. Fortunately, it didn't work out, but, you know, I wish the best to Tim Tebow. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think he'll be just fine. He just married, I think, this past year, too. So, yeah. So, again, he's going to be he's just gonna fine. He's going to be more than okay. Absolutely. But, uh, that. Oh, how did you feel about, uh, Trevor Lawrence's debut? I thought I was, was... going to say Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. They all, all the top picks had their debuts. I thought it was good. I thought Trevor Lawrence looked solid. I think that he had that really nice pass to Marvin Jones that where that thing was just a dot. I, I'll be excited to see what Trevor Lawrence looks like in the NFL. I think that, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, 100% going to be the college player he is. I don't know if, you know, that style will translate, you know, completely to the NFL. I hope it does. Yeah. But, you know, obviously I think that some guys have to make, you know, a form of adjustment when they get into the league. Yeah, no, that's the best part I like about college more than football. Uh, Well, more than NFL. NFL. There's more just the type of plays and like a lot more people can be successful in college while yeah. in the NFL. It's a very select view. Yeah. It's a very selective kind of thing. And you know, it, it kind of does take, you know, the creativity and the fun out of the game, but you know, I, I will be excited to see how Trevor Lawrence, how Trevor Lawrence, you know, does in the NFL. I think he's going to be successful in my opinion, but you know, that concludes that we have an NFL news in MLB news. Uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, the, we were talking about certain debuts and, you know, we talked about Mac Jones debut and we talked about Trevor Lawrence's debut. Now in MLB news, I want to talk about comebacks. And, you know, for the longest time, uh, I think it was what August 13th, 2019 was the last time we saw Chris Sale take the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, It had been a long, long time since we saw Chris Sale on a mound in Fenway. And finally, after at long last, he, you know, he, you know, had to get Tommy John surgery, you know, at the beginning part of the 2020 season, COVID happened, everything went down there. And, you know, finally he'd made it back, you know, made multiple rehab starts in both Portland and, and, and with the Wu Sox and did everything there. You know, I, we, we were kind of reviewing the situation and saw that, you know, certain tickets with the Wu Sox were selling for like $200 for people to get into the ballpark. I'm like, this is insane. We're not doing that because tickets usually cost like eight bucks. And I was like, I'm not paying that much to go see Chris Sale pitch, even though I really want to go see him pitch. But it was kind of like this, you know, media spectacle. And it was this crazy thing to see him on his rehab tour. And, you know, it kind of was a tour, basically. And he finally got back to Fenway. And, you know, we got to see him face the Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, frankly, the Baltimore Orioles are kind of just a, are kind of a, you know, inflated AAA team at this point, you know, with the way that they play. And we beat them handily. We beat them 16 to two. Right. Chris Sale went five, gave up two home runs. I believe there were back-to-back shots to Trey Mancini. And I believe it was uh Hayes. I, yeah, yeah I can't. back-to-back shots. Yeah. So had, had a rough patch there, but all in all, for the Red Sox to be getting their ace back, how are you feeling about them? I'm pretty pumped. I mean, I feel like we should work them in slowly, which we are doing. Yeah. And I trust management right now. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it was really good to see him out there and then see, you know, his slider and everything else going crazy. Yeah. The, slide, the slider is back, folks, if you didn't catch his start. He is back to 100%, which I am glad. Well, not back to 100%, but the slider looks like it's back and has that 
you know, bite to it that it did back then. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's all. There's a bunch of pitches too in his debut that were really going to went the other way. Like he was hitting corners and the ump just really wasn't calling it that day, but Mm -hmm. that uh, inside high right corner, he was hitting like constantly. No, it's, it's dirty when he hits that. Like he just, he's, he has an, he has an amazing like way of pitching and it's not something that you can teach. Like, no, just it, based off his body language. It's crazy. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, he doesn't need to, you know, have any, I hope that he doesn't have any issues with it because, you know, he pitches in such an obscure kind of way when he goes across his body like that. I think that, you know, luckily Tommy John surgery at this point is such a, you know, kind of revolutionary thing where it's just kind it's of a, such, it's so it, studied. You it, know, it's routine just, at this point. It's, yeah. it's almost just like, you know, it, it, I don't even know how to describe it at this point. It's, you know, just a, it's become a basic procedure in MLB that, you know, most, you know, most doctors are able to perfect at this point. And hopefully, you know, it works for him and he's able to, you know, pitch a couple more good years in the league and, you know, be a successful starter. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he could do with the Red Sox down the stretch, but I got to tell you, I'm nervous about the Red Sox team because we have been slumping. Yeah, it's been a hot garbage for a little bit. It has been awful. Dropping back to back, and then also the, just the errors on that play when we let it up against the Yankees. We're just looking kind of, we're looking very tired. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many games we're out, but well, we're current. We're currently well. We're currently as of as of this episode being recorded, we are down four to one to the Yankees in the top of the seventh inning. So things aren't looking good there. We'll obviously you guys will know the swept. result of this game when that comes out. Yeah, this this isn't looking good. And uh, we kind of, we kind of had, we they kind of had our number though for a little bit. I mean, we were crushing the Yankees for we had a ten many we had a ten game run we had a ten game lead over them in the division. It's currently now tied in the division five. You know, we're we're both now five games back. After this, there'll be a full game ahead of us. And you know, you know, I I've I said this on Robert Shelley's pesky podcast, pesky poll podcast show, and you know, I'm pissed. You know, I you know I've I've said it multiple times. I think that. You know, come the deadline, every contending team made moves. You literally look at every single team and they all made moves to get better. Obviously, the Dodgers blew everyone out of the water with what they did. But yeah, it's really impressive to see what the Dodgers are doing. And the Red Sox, obviously, got Kyle Schwarber. You know, he's finally, you know, in the lineup now and we'll see how he kind of looks down the stretch. But, you know, the, the only pitchers we got were guys like Hanzo Robles and Austin Davis, guys that I had never even heard of. And it, you know, Frankly, the bullpen is now falling apart as a result of it. Guys are tired. Guys aren't able to, you know, get the rest that they need. And we're overworking guys like Garrett Whitlock, who, you know, really looked solid for us this season, but he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. We're going to have to see how he handles, uh, how he handles that adversity when he's put in more, you know, high leverage situations. He's been a great pickup for us this year, but when you put him in those situations, it's going to, you know, I feel like, you know, put some strain on his arm. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really nervous about this team. It looks like we're in the midst of a collapse. Yeah, I agree definitely. And uh, I think the one thing that kind of scares me the most is that uh, we're falling apart at the wrong time. I mean, I kind of have faith in the team, but like right now is kind of the sweet spot to start to pick it up and get ready and get amped up. And it seems unfortunately we're only you know backtracking right now. Yeah, and I mean. You know, after the deadline, I put a lot of blame on Heim Bloom for saying, you know, you didn't do, you didn't get, you didn't do enough at the deadline. I kind of, I looked at Henry and all the guys there for saying, like, hey, why, I think the biggest why did you spend over the luxury tax? Was, uh, you know, not trying to actively pursue Rizzo instead of being like, we'll make Schwarber into something he's not. No, he's not a first baseman. And guess what? Has Schwarber played first base for us at all yet? No, no. he hasn't. What what have we been doing? We've been DHing Schwarber. We've been putting JD Martinez in the outfield. And just to be frank with you, I, I mean, don't. Bobby Dahlbeck has been hot recently. In his defense, he has been pretty he, hot recently. He's been hot, but but in but that's in Bobby Dahlbeck terms. I mean, you know what sucked so what sucked so bad though is that we're putting freaking JD in the outfield or DH and Schwarber. And I get it, Schwarber's a DH. It, on if JD has an off day, sure you DH him. But you know we we brought Schwarber into this team with the assumption that oh this guy will be a first this guy will be the will be the first base solution that'll be the offense we need there he's played one career game at first base and none of them have come with the Boston Red Sox we've tried every single possible way to get Schwarber and JD in the lineup that doesn't involve putting him at first base and i'm just like when are we going to see it i know he has injury issues and i know we're going to try to work him into it 
But when are we going to see Schwarber at first base? Yeah, I think the biggest thing also with Heim Bloom is that I think he went into the trade deadline knowing that we're not going to win it all this year, even though I think we possibly could have. We we really could have. I mean, we had the best record in the AL, I think, at the trade deadline. So I'm just like, we obviously had something going for us. Yeah, exactly. I was just more concerned with the depth than us getting deep into October. I mean, like, how long, like, would we really have? But again, you know, that's on that's on Heim. I mean, Heim's it's on know, it's it's not you he's usually not the guy to actively go out and try to pursue and get all those guys. He's more of like, you know, a money saver. Like no, yeah. I mean, I know that's what he was brought in to do, and I, I, I understand what his what his role is here. I mean, like, heck, his first move was trading Mookie. <laughs> I that that was that was from the top down. I understand that that he had to do that. But you know, another move that, you know, you know, I, I and while I do put a lot of blame on Heim Balloon for not doing more at the deadline. At this point, you know, with the way that they're slumping, I could have understood the Red Sox, you know, for a series just being like really down it or even a series or two and just being like, man, you know, you know, we really thought we could have done something. We would we were hoping like, you know, for a little more to come through the door at the deadline being down for a little bit. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like the GM didn't do what you want. I get it. You know, I feel bad for you guys. But at this point, you know, you guys, you know, it's like, okay, you didn't the guy didn't do enough for you at the deadline, you know, pick it up. You know, we need we need a little bit more out of you. Are you guys going to be this demoralized? No, like this is ridiculous. And right. they, they need to pick it up. They do need to pick it up. I do agree with that. And I mean, hopefully they do. They Hopefully they just start to find their rhythm again. But other than that, I don't really know what else would really pick them up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do have my questions. About I mean, that. the New England Revolution are in first place. <laughs> I re- for whatever it's worth. I really don't want to be. I, I, I really don't want the New England Revolution to be this to be the story of the 2021 Boston sports season. That that will really put a damper on my year. Yeah, yeah. At least for me, I I know there. I know I know you're at least like decently involved with soccer. I don't know anything. So if they're the number one team in, in the uh, up here in New England, I think I might lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, but you know. <laughs> It's all right. Chelsea resigned some guys we definitely needed. So yeah, that, oh, so that's always great. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, even things, even things with the revs are falling apart. Why am I even surprised? But uh, that concludes what we have in MLB news and NBA news. The one of the weirder stories that I've seen. You know, I was talking about weird stories with with uh, with Tyreek Hill raising Usain Bolt. Another weird story that I saw going on uh, happened in the NBA, and it happened with J.R. Smith, the uh, former, you know, the former guy who you know, passed out of the passed out of an open layup, you know, missed a lot of opportunities. And but he was young, man. He was pretty good. No, J.R. Smith. Trust me, J.R. Smith is a dude. And, you know, all, all the respect to him, you know, had has kind of been has kind of been a meat was kind of a meme in his older years. One of, but <laughs> yeah. but was one of, one of LeBron's, you know, you know, key guys, you know, down the stretch. You know, I believe he won rings with both the Cavs and the Lakers. And, you know, obviously, yep. obviously all the respect to him. But now it's coming out that J.R. Smith uh, he has decided to enroll to play. Uh, he's decided to roll at North Carolina A and T, and he's you know uh, he's trying to petition the NCAA to allow him to play on the team's Division One golf team. And I didn't realize that J.R. Smith was a golfer. I, I mean, I know the, I know he's probably done celebrity events, but I don't know. Like this just seems like the, this just seems like a total J.R. Smith story. The fact that he's trying to play Division One college golf, and I'm yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, because definitely, you know, like older athletes and everything else, like the one thing that kind of brings them all together, baseball, football, hockey, even is golf. I yeah, mean, that's it's kind of the universal sport. Yeah. And no matter your age. And it's kind of a sport and shows it's like a true, like, I guess, athlete. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously they're not competing against guys like Tiger Woods who do it professionally, but it really is just like that, that one activity that, you know, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Steph Curry, they're not, they don't have any, like, that's the one outlet where they can compete together and, you know, and really in, you know, you can see them go against each other. That's what what made the match too really so, really so awesome when we saw Brady and Manning go against each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wonder, uh, J.R. Smith went to a Division One school, right? I believe so. Yeah, I forget where he went exactly. Because I know, I know there is an eligibility and there's a timer set on you, as soon as you hit that D1 eligibility. So I wonder if he's like petitioning, being like, "Look, I only did two years, so I should have two more years to, you know, play." Because if he didn't do Division One then he would definitely be able to, but there's a timer set for four years. Mm -hmm. So if he did like a one and done, like most, you know, athletes do, then he could definitely, you know, go back and do it. 
if J.R. Smith was like a division two school, then he would have his full division one clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it says right here that, you know, obviously it's listing the North Carolina A&T now. It also lists uh, St. Benedict's Prep and uh, Trenton Catholic Academy. So those seem like some high schools and some, and some you know, yeah, post-grad I wonder, stuff Did like he that. get drafted right out of high school? I don't think I don't I think the one and done rule had to have been in place at the time, but it's possible. But, you know, with J.R. Smith, you know, I think it's a really funny story. I, I hope think it would be cool if it works out. I hope it. I hope it, I, I hope it does work out. I hope it does work out. I mean, I mean, I don't know if like this propels you into a professional golf thing, but just to be able to compete in college and, you know, have that Even competition celebrity again. events and stuff. Exactly. You know, Play with Charles Barkley. <laughs> I mean, for, let's be frank. I think I think anyone. I mean, I'm not beating Charles Barkley. I my golf, my golf shot absolutely blows. But uh <laughs> Yeah, and definitely not me. I literally got clubs like two weeks, two months ago. Yeah, no, at I, this point, off the side of the road. So. Yeah, literally, you told me about that. You want to go into that? When did you get? So, how did you get the golf clubs? Uh, so my grandfather used to golf a lot back in the day. Yeah, and uh, he had his own set of clubs, but his clubs were really old. And like, as I was a kid, I would mess around with them. You know, yeah. just hit it, and like had no form, no idea, nothing how to do it. But uh, when I was uh, driving up, my uh, car ended up uh, breaking down on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, there was a pair of clubs on the side of the road g- giving for free. And as I was looking at my car, I saw the clubs and I was like, these aren't that bad condition. So it was clubs and I think a Callaway bag. And I literally just grabbed them and I tossed them in my car with me. And then I had to end up getting a toe and everything else. But no, uh, that's how I ended up getting my first golf pair of golf clubs. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I, I think, I, I think my dad just, I, I, I think he got them from, from like a family friend and like, it was like this very weird way of getting them. I mean, you know, they're solid clubs are, uh, you know, I think a couple decades old at this point, but they still work very well. And I, exactly. you know, I'm really glad that I have them and, you know, I hope to, I hope to get better at that, but I wish the best of luck to J.R. Smith and, but the last story I have in NBA news is uh, Marcus Smart recently agreed to a four-year extension with the Boston Celtics, seventy-seven million dollars. Uh, you know, basically the pride, the you know, the pride and soul of the team is back. You know, which I I'm excited to see. You know, I think that you know while J while Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown are kind of you know the faces of us, you know, you want you you want to if if you had to pick up pick a player to encapsulate you know the the raw emotion of the team it's Marcus Smart and I'm glad to see him back yeah no me too definitely because he is the heart and soul of the Celtics yeah Um, I'm glad we got him for the money we got him for yeah and yeah I mean there could have been teams that could have overpaid for him but I feel like that's about what Marcus Smart is worth you know being uh he is also more of a six man in some aspects we play him Mm -hmm. but uh no he's definitely a great player so yeah I'm glad to see him back you know just Obviously, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't always fill up the stat sheet, but what he brings to the court on a nightly basis, you know, it's worth it. And I, I, I'm really glad to see him back now. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see how, how he kind of fits into the rotation with a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who we also just brought in. I'll, I don't know exactly how they're going to work as a pairing, but you know, well, Dennis Schroeder is more of a scorer. Yeah. Well, Marcus Smart is more, you know, well, defensive minded. Yeah. So I feel like Schroeder, you know, will end up starting, but I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like Marcus is going to come off the bench and really just be that second team guy. That's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping that he can be a leader like that. And, you know, lead guys like Peyton Pritchard, who I just put out a recent, who I actually just put out a clip on points. had 92 points in a program game. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, like, he's, he's hot. No, he's insanely hot. Obviously too. Ojale was really hot as well. Yeah. And Naismith. Naismith also had a great summer league. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately the Celtics did lose the summer league championship to the Kings last night. You were talking to me about that. Uh, you know, Pritchard didn't look too good there, but 92 points in a game, you know. Pritchard was really good in the first half. But yeah. The second half, defensively, defensively, he was getting locked up. Yeah, but I'm glad you brought up the 92 points. That has to be, like, like regardless of what league you're in, that has to be exhausting. Is ridiculous. That has to be exhausting to do. I mean, you're dominating a game. I don't, I, I don't even care if you're playing fourth graders. Yeah. To score 92 points in 60, what is it, like 60 or 48? It's 48 minutes. My, 48 my, my minutes. Bad. I was thinking of football. But to score in, to score that many points in 48 minutes, it's absurd. That's got, like, the amount of energy that has to take out of you. Like, he, and, like, I'm a, a dog, man. No, and, like, you, you, I feel like you have to be grinding, like, literally every single second. Like, you can't be setting out a play and scoring 92 points. He literally had to have played all 48, in my opinion. I I didn't look at the stat sheet, but 
the 92 points. That's ridiculous, man. Yeah, I really want to look up that stat sheet now that you mention it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. I put out a clip on him today of me, uh, of me, Carter Adams, and Ethan Savoy. We were talking about uh, we were talking about him when he first broke in the league when he was averaging eight points a game. We, we were saying, we were saying at the time. I, I mean, I had it brought up at the time. Hey, maybe we should ship Kemba out of here, get a big man in. You know, we brought it, we brought, we ended up bringing Al Horford back when we did that. And, you know, while he isn't the big man I'm necessarily looking for that, I, I do agree. It's, I do agree with something. Uh, do you have something there? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to look it up right now. Okay. You can keep going. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see what the Celtics do, do uh, this season with Al Horford. I, you know, unfortunately, I wish we had gotten a more traditional center that has been my one, you know, want for the Celtics to do. And they really haven't done it in a long time. I've said on the show, I don't think the Celtics have had a traditional big man since Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. And, you know, while I'm, while I'm not saying Perk is like, you know, the definition of a, of a great center. I mean, he was a good center for us. And, but I know he's no Will, like Wilt Chamberlain or anything like that. But even when KG was here, he was a power forward. When other guys were here, like they were power forwards. Horford is a, Horford is a power forward, you know, with the way he plays. But we put him at the five because we need him there. Yeah. And, you know, with his age, I think he'll be fine. Like I, I have faith in him because, you know, he's also, you know, a shooter type and can do certain things like that. But, you know, all in all, I, you know, with the Celtics team, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about him, but I, but I, you know, I do have some optimism, you know, with the moves that we've made. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I mean, Hey, like, I think we're going to be all right. I, I mean, agree. People too. think, I think uh, Tatum has made some great strides. It's really good to see him win too. Yeah. I feel like I, that kind of is a mentality that he has to bring. Yeah. I, I, I hope that, I hope that the, uh, the Olympics were, were a good experience for him, but uh, do you have anything there or not? Yeah, I do. So Peyton Pritchard uh, averaged in the summer league 20. Uh, what was it? It was uh 20.3 points per game and he was shooting 57 uh from behind 58 percent of his uh three-point attempts while shooting 51 percent overall wow that's awesome yeah i know and uh it was crazy because uh i mean he was always doing well like he was shooting 44 percent in his rookie campaign mm -hmm. but the crazy thing is is that they barely won that game jesus it was 165 to 163 mm -hmm. and the defense was basically non-existent in the pro-am games as they were saying but uh, this guy they were playing, uh, Mike James, dropped sixty-three points as well. I mean, it, but, these programs just pulling up and hitting. First. What you see in these program games is crazy. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. But that concludes that we have an NBA news. Uh, the final thing I want to get into. I know we don't talk about NHL on the show enough. You know, and this is kind of an older story, but I did feel that I I did feel that I needed to cover this because you know I you know I I I just feel like it's a big enough story. Uh, I don't know if you'd heard about this, but, you know, Evander Kane, uh, you know, player for the uh, player for the San Jose Sharks was recently, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, accused by his own wife of uh, of betting on of betting on his own sports games. Now, I didn't really I didn't you know, too, know too much about Evander Kane, but apparently he has like some gambling issues. He's been in a ton of debt yeah. and, you know, is known to kind of go bankrupt and do that sort of thing. And. You know, now he's being alleged of betting his own on his own games, which is the cardinal sin of all sports. You know, it's what it has. It's basically what has Pete Rose kind of out, out of the Hall of Fame to this day. It's what has Shula Joe Jackson kind of banned for life. Well, not kind of. It has. It's what it has, has him. It has yeah. him banned for life from baseball. And, you know, while I have my defenses of Pete Rose and Shula Joe, this is crazy. I mean, to see this in the modern era yeah. is the crazy thing is, too, is that like she has like receipts and like she has like a bunch of information, like tech stuff. And yeah, all that, which is crazy to me. And when I saw the report and when I, when I saw the report that that it was, oh, his wife, his wife reported. My, I was like, I was like, I feel like this report should say ex-wife, because uh, after this, I feel like this isn't. Yeah, unless she was just trying to help. And he has a serious, serious addiction, which I mean, I mean, yeah, said, he I, does. But I feel terrible because he is a really good player. Yeah, no, he's a great player. And I mean, I I'm, you know, it's a crazy situation to see. I hope that uh, everything, you know, you know, it, he hasn't been found guilty of anything at this point. If he is, then obviously we'll obviously we'll cover that situation from there. But, you know, was something that I wanted to highlight on, you know, really quickly because I thought it was, you know, really important. I wanted to get it across. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's uh, kind of crazy because, uh, yeah, it is the Cardinal Center of all sports. I mean you bet on your own games that's that's pretty significant you know pete yeah. rose it's you know pete well, rose shoeless joe tim donny <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on honestly 
which is kind of crazy in the White Sox even then. Yeah. So yeah, eight men out. It's like it's I mean, the fact that we talk about like the 1919 White Sox, you know, and it's, you know, a common enough, it's a, you know, fairly common enough thing across sports to this day. It's crazy. It's just it just shows it just goes to show how how wrong it is. Like it's been a century since that happened. But it's so, you know, it's so universally recognized as wrong that everybody is just viscerally against it. Yeah, no, it's very, very incredible. But I mean, it's I hope they really figure it out because you can't really go a lot of places from there. Yeah, no, I I hope they figure it out, too. I feel terrible for San Jose, too, because I that would just. Well, that's one of their (laughs) franchise players. Yeah, that's it's it's got to be a terrible blow for them. I hope that. You know, I, I hope the best happens. I hope that, you know, this is a misunderstanding and I hope maybe there is a, you know, a, a good answer to this, but I know that, you know, it was kind of a, that's kind of a long shot in sports, but I, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I hope for the best with everything, but at this point, I think it's fair to say that we are now down to the wire, which means that, you know, we're going to do a little wrap up, wrap up of what we talk about in this show and we'll send you guys on your way. Obviously, welcome to John into the show. John, really glad to have you on, man. It was an awesome time. Thank you, man. And, uh, you know, on the show with John, we talked about, you know, we, we broke down uh, Mac Jones preseason debut as well as Cam Newton's cryptic uh, social media post. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari posting on social media that they want Clay Matthews back as well as Tyreek Hill, you know, as well as Tyreek Hill p- pledging to race Usain Bolt in a 40 yard dash. We discussed Tim Tebow being cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars as well as Chris Sale's return in, return to the Boston Red Sox. In NBA news, we talked about J.R. Smith enrolling in college and petitioning the NCAA to allow him to play Division I golf, as well as Marcus Smart sending a four-year, $77 million contract extension with the Boston Celtics. And finally, we ended things in the NHL, talking about Evander Kane being accused of betting on his own, being accused of betting on his own hockey games by his own wife. Crazy developments there. Uh, obviously, across the sports world, great thing, crazy things that go on, you know, there. Can't wait to cover to cover uh, the latest with those stories as they unfold. But I think it's fair to say that you know, you know, it's it's a it's insane. I know it is insane, but the good thing is to end on a good note. The first college football game I believe is next week. Uh, you know, th- there we go. I, I college football obviously is another great thing. I'm, I'm I'll be gr- I'll be glad to see too. NFL and college, love to see it. I mean, I know be I know I'll be going back to school relatively soon. I'll be back in the Koffler Center doing shows from there at seven o'clock you know, Wednesdays and Fridays, which will be great to see. Can't wait to get back in the studio there. But, you know, that kind of concludes what we have on the show tonight. If you're not following down to the wire at this point, what the hell are you guys doing? We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. But the main hub you can reach us through is our Instagram. You can follow that at down.tothewire. Again, at down.tothewire. Once again, thank you guys so much for watching today. And from Down to the Wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm John Warren. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care.